This is Internet Marketing. Brought to you by Site Visibility at sitevisibility.com. This is Internet Marketing, and today I'm joined by Steve Rayson, Director at BuzzSumo. How are you doing, Steve? I'm doing very well, thank you. A little bit damp here in Brighton today, but very well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a Skype to Skype, Brighton to Brighton. And there's a, at the moment, there's a thunderstorm in Brighton. So if you hear rumbles of, of thunder, it's not my stomach, because it often is. It's actually real thunder. Um, so, Steve, let's start off with you telling us, um, well, a little bit about uh, you and what you do at BuzzSumo and what BuzzSumo okay. does, in fact. Yeah, no, of course, happy to, to do both. Um, yeah, in terms of me, um, interesting background. I was once the director of finance at the the local council <laughs> many years oh, ago. Wow. Um, but I was really, my background is more in e-learning. I've set up and sold a number of e-learning companies. And that was um, very much what I was doing until about 2012, when I then moved into social media marketing. And um, in 2013, we set up BuzzSumo, um, which is going very well. I'm just one of the directors. There are three co-owners i'm one of the co-owners mm. um we don't really have formal roles we tend to do things that we we think we're reasonably good at <laughs> so i'm just one of the directors i tend to look after a lot of our partnerships and some of the marketing but in terms of BuzzSumo, for those that don't know i mean really it's a tool designed to help content marketers and uh, we try to help in a number of ways the first is through research we crawl the web not really unlike google except we show you the most shared content so if you want to see the most shared content on a topic yesterday we'll show you the most shared content or the most shared in the last week or last three weeks etc so we do research so you can see what's resonating with audience what are people like what are they sharing what sort of formats are working um but we also try and help in terms of content amplification which i think is increasingly important these days and so we can show you who's sharing content so you know if you look at what's your most shared competitors content who was sharing it who helped amplify it and get it out there because you need people to share your content these days and you also need people to link to it and so we'll show you who's sharing content as well in terms of who's linking to it um and then finally we'll we'll just we have alerts um you can basically put in your brand name and then we'll tell you every time somebody mentions you on the web, wherever, in any blog post, it doesn't have to be in a title, we'll pick it up and we'll give you an alert every time somebody mentions you or a competitor so you can see what's happening in the world. So so that's what the tool does. It's really a, an intelligence tool to help you research and amplify the content you're creating, whether you're a, writing a blog, whether you're a brand or whether you're a publisher. That's really, really useful thing to know, actually, you know, who's sharing, um, sort of, you know, what's what's the best platform to share. What can people do with this information? What can it sort of help us to do? I think the key thing is to help you produce content that that resonate with your audience. Um, I would say to people that content marketing at one level is really quite simple. You, you're, you're creating, you're distributing content, which is valuable, helpful to your audience. You're doing that consistently, and then you gradually build an audience. And once you have an audience, in time, you can can monetize that. I hate that particular phrase, but you can monetize mm. it. You can sell things to your audience. And so it seems quite straightforward. But the reality is it, it, it's hard work. It's hard work to be relentless and keep producing content. But there's simply so much content out there. I was looking the other day and someone was saying over 5 million blog posts published a day. I mean, a huge amount of content. The Guardian publishes thousands of articles every week. Um, so you know, why, why are people going to find your content? How does it cut through? And um, you know, you're competing all the time for attention. So 
what we try to help people do is understand, firstly, you're going to write content that resonates with your audience. There's no point writing the best post in the world about a particular topic if nobody's interested in it or nobody likes those particular formats. So you do need to understand your audience. And so what we allow you to do is simply you type in a topic, see what sort of content's resonating, whether it's the types of formats or the, the particular ways the topics uh, are addressed so that you understand what resonates with the audience, really. Um, but I think more importantly, you, you need to understand how content gets amplified. But one of the, the biggest frustrations I have is people spend so much time crafting a beautiful post. They publish it and they think that's the end, <laughs> end of the story. Yeah. And it really isn't. I mean, that's just the beginning, in my view, because you've then got to get it amplified. Um, and social sharing is, is more important than it used to be. I mean, there are various estimates, but some people now estimate that up to 50% of all content discovered by people is discovered through social media. Which means, you know, you're in your Facebook feed, you see a news article shared, you click on it, you go and see it, you come back to your social yeah. feed. A lot of content seems to be discovered that way this time. Almost as much content is discovered that way is actually on Google, which is sort of interesting. I mean, it obviously varies from content type to content type, but you need to be discovered on Google, of course, if people search for your particular topic. But you need people to amplify your content by sharing it and by linking to it, which hopefully will help your Google ranking. And as I say, I think once you publish the content, that's when the hard work starts. But I think for some people, they publish the content and they think that's the game over. Mm. And I'm, I'm very impressed by people like BuzzFeed who really understand that. So when they write a piece of content, they make the writers write sort of 20 headlines. And then they put out all 20 headlines and they A-B test them through the day. And then they see which headline's working better. And then they gradually refine it. So they're constantly monitoring their content and constantly adjusting it to make sure it's resonating with their audience. Whereas some people just stick with one headline, put it out, never change it. Um, you do need to monitor it. You do need to see what's yeah, working. Yeah. But um, and the other thing is, why don't you do research as well? I think the other thing is, if you, if you don't research what's working, you don't research what networks are working, you know, you may find that in some instances, you know, it really, you only need to be looking at Facebook or you should really be looking at LinkedIn for this topic, et cetera. You just need to do that research. So hopefully by giving people those insights, that information, you can produce content, which is going to be more valuable for your organization. There's nothing worse, I think, than, you know, say writing really good content and then seeing that it's got six shares or something like that. Mm. And as a consequence, um, was it a waste of time, really, if nobody really saw it, nobody's really getting to see that content? Um, so you have to find ways um, to get content out there. And we did a, a, a major piece of research with, with Moz last year. We took a million articles. We looked at the number of shares. We looked at the number of links. You know, and the median number of shares across those million articles was eight. So, you know, 50% of posts got less than eight shares, 50% got more than eight shares. Mm. And that's across all networks. And assuming that you share it yourself a couple of times on different networks, it's really not very high. I was surprised at, as yeah. to how low that was. You know, it, it's hard work to get people to engage with your content. And so I think by having that information, you can firstly produce content that's hopefully going to resonate with your audience. But secondly, you can look at ways to amplify that content and particularly working with influencers, which are not necessarily big influencers with millions of followers, but people who are respected in your particular field, they may only have two, three, four thousand followers. But if they share something, it gets engaged with by other people. So you need to find the right influencers to help spread the word about your particular content, really. Now, you talked about uh, doing research, which is like the sort of uh, the bit you do before you actually do your post or before you actually at least publish it. 
what surprised you about the results? Because obviously you've got a lot of experience of, of, of looking at the way. I mean, you mentioned that there's a certain ways that sharing works. What surprised you from the results? I mean, a couple of things, really. Firstly, is that um, the power law on internet, uh, internet-based content is huge. In reality, you know, the top few percent of posts get virtually all the shares, all the links. So, you know, sites like TechCrunch just get masses of shares and then it's, you know, it falls away very quickly. Um, so most content actually doesn't get a great deal of traction um, in terms of shares and links. So you have to work very hard at it. As I said, when we took a million posts at random, it was eight. But even when we took, I think we took a, a hundred or so of the top B2B blogs, the median again was only something like 60 shares. It's yeah. relatively low. Um, and so what surprised me, I think, is just I don't think I, I, either it suggests to me that either the content people producing is very poor, and that, that's one possibility, yeah. or that the people who produce the content didn't have an amplification strategy. And so they didn't spend enough time amplifying it because there are ways you can get a lot more shares than that. If you work with certain people or to uh, influencers, the way you promote your content, for example, even just getting your own staff to share content. So if there are just 10 of you in the office, you get those 10 people to share it each on two networks. There's 20 shares already. Yeah. And likelihood it will get shared again. So you need an amplification strategy. And I think a lot of content, uh, people don't have an amplification um, strategy. So I suppose that surprised me, really. I mean, I think there is still a lot of poor quality content out there. Mm. Um, but... But I think it's more, even the good content is not being amplified. And I would say on that point about content, I mean, a lot of people produce just poor quality list content, seven ways to improve your landing page. There are so many of these. There's nothing that unique. Your content, I think, I mean, people talk about it, but it really should offer something that's of value to your users, but also something that's relatively unique as well. If you're just listing the same points as somebody else, you're not adding value. In fact, you're probably just wasting their time. So actually you're detracting from the value, really. Mm. So um, you you really got to think about ways in which you add value. And I think... um, I think Leoden said it really well. And he said, you know, your aim is to be the best answer to customer questions. Customers aren't you're just typing into a search engine just to to find information on a topic. They're normally trying to address a question, you know, like if it was about e-learning, which I talked about before, it might be who are the best e-learning companies to contact? How do I write an e-learning script? For example, what's the best tool to build my e-learning with? Um, what's, how should I use a video in my e-learning or how should I test people? They're normally trying to address specific questions and topics so i think one of the challenges for people writing content is to work out what questions are people asking um and then to try to write the best answers and then your challenge i think is to write the best answer to the questions that your customers are asking so um yeah so work out what they're they're asking and you can do that in lots of ways you can use tools you can use tools like buzzsumo but you can also ask your support desk your sales staff What's keeping your customers awake at night? What are the questions they're grappling with? And then make sure you're writing posts that really address those um, those questions. And I, I think that's why we see posts like how-to posts do particularly well, because it's providing value. It's telling me how to do something, how to use the latest features in Google Analytics, whatever it happens to be. Um, you could be in lots of different industries, but value-adding posts, I think, are important. It helps people answer a question. So... 
again, we were trying to do as soon as just help you understand the questions people are asking mm. and also look at what are the best answer posts. So you could literally type in how to plus SEO or how to plus marketing in Buzzsumo, for example, and we'll show you the top posts and the most shared posts uh, that address those answers. And then what you can do is then say, well, can I improve on that? Because if you can't be a better answer, I would move on and find another topic to address because there's a great sort of power law again. Um, and someone talked about skyscraper marketing. You know, when you go to a city, you don't go and visit the fifth tallest building. You tend to visit the tallest or the second tallest. And the same is true when people share an answer about what is content marketing. People share the best answer. They don't tend to share the fifth best answer. And so you've really got to try and be the best answer. And that maybe you're writing a more comprehensive answer. You've got the very latest information, but you're trying to write a very good quality um, piece. Now, you mentioned there about um, sort of like the best titles and things. You've probably got some, I I would hope you've got some top tips for the perfect uh, viral headline, putting you on the spot there, Steve. Okay. Yeah, no, um, we do a lot of analysis about what sort of headlines work and which ones work on different networks. And the interesting thing is different headlines do work on the different networks, um, as you'd expect. So certain words that work well, like success works well on LinkedIn, um, others work on others. So it's um, they work very differently, really, in terms of the, the words that resonate on the different networks. But what we have found is we've come across a particular headline format that always works really well when it comes to getting a lot of shares. And it's a headline, and you'll see these all the time, but it's a headline, for example, one I use is 27 amazing charts that will turn you into a baking whiz. <laughs> um, there are lots of those sorts of headlines. They feel like BuzzFeedy, but they're very clever headlines because that simple headline, 27 amazing charts that turn you into a baking whiz, actually contains five elements. And we think there are five elements to a viral headline. There's always an emotional element. In this case, it would be the word amazing, but it could be 12 surprising, 12 heartwarming, 12 shocking. Um, and there's then a content element. So it could be it's, you know, uh, images, facts, quotes, etc., charts. So it could be 10 surprising facts. Um, it could be, you know, 10 shocking images, for example. Mm. Um, but it tends to be an emotion element. There tends to be a content element. There tends to be also a format element. Is it a list post? So it's, it's a, it starts with a number, it's 10. Or is it a quiz, for example? Or is it a story? But there's a format element to it as well. Yeah. Then there tends to be a topic element. So, and there are lots of trending topics. There are perennial favorites like love and dogs and cats and babies. They tend to do well uh, every, every time, but there are trending ones. At the moment, Donald Trump, Trump is trending. An article about Donald Trump tends to get more traction. You know, last year, articles about zombies were all the rage, for example. <laughs> so if you, if you wanted a viral post last year, you could do, uh, you know, 10 surprising facts about zombies. That would probably do quite well. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the, the final element those headlines have is, and there's a sort of promise element. They promise you something that you can do something. So if we go back to that headline, 27 amazing charts that will turn you into a baking whiz, there's a very clear promise. This is going to turn you into a baking whiz. Or it could be, you know, 10 um, surprising hacks that will improve your Facebook marketing. Um, so those sorts of headlines actually are very powerful. And it's just amazing how they can cram five different elements into one single and relatively short headline. So if you want to write a viral headline, I would say, you know, you have a format element, it's a list post or it's a story, you have a content element. So people are very clear what they're going to get. I'm going to get images, I'm going to get facts, or I'm going to get quotes. So it could be 10, 10 great quotes, for example. 
who need some emotional pull. Are they shocking, amusing, surprising, heartwarming, 10 beautiful images, some sort of emotional hook in there as well? You need to pick a topic that's that's in vogue in your particular industry or generally. And then you need some promise that you're going to help improve them in some ways. And if you can pack those five elements into a headline, uh, I think it's going to do very well, whether it's a a headline for an email um, subject line or whether it's a social media post or whether it's a blog post, we tend to find that that does particularly well. So, yeah, so my tips on if you want to write a viral headline, get those five elements, pack them into your headline, um, and I'm sure you'll do very well. Five amazing tips that will help you to write viral headlines. How about that? <laughs> there you go. So you're getting there. Along those lines, <laughs> it's definitely what you do. Um, and it, it's just amazing how well those those work. I mean, it's terrible to boil things down to a formula, but they do seem to work. And I get frustrated sometimes because you know list posts do work. Yeah. On average, list posts get more shares than non-list posts. So you're often tempted to put five ways, 10 ways, 10 things, etc. And uh, it can be frustrating, but the bottom line is they seem to work. And I think they work in part because of that promise as well. If it's five things, okay, I've got time to skim five things. Um, I know what I'm going to get in the post. So it's just one part of that viral headline. Um, there are other ones that that deliver value and, and that perform well uh, in terms of headlines. And it's things like how-to posts, mm. 10 ways to do something. Because, again, it's promising value, really, how to do something. So, um, yes, yeah, so if you're after viral headlines, um, we've written quite a few posts around it. But, yeah, getting those five elements into your headline, um, it definitely works. We've looked at all the data and looking across millions of posts. If you have a headline like that, yes. on average, you'll get more shares than headlines that don't. Amazing. So on your um, exciting escapades through various social media platforms, Steve, do you, do you see patterns? I'm wondering specifically, a question I get asked a lot is, what sort of things is Twitter good for versus what sort of things is Facebook good for versus LinkedIn? Any trends or patterns there you see? Yeah, we see quite a lot of those, really. I mean, one of the things we looked at was we looked at the top three-word phrases in headlines, for example, that get the most shares. Uh, so they're just called a trigram, but the top three-word phrases. And we pulled those for all the major networks. And we saw big differences between Facebook, Twitter, and um, and LinkedIn. So mm. Facebook, we did find more of the BuzzFeedy style headlines did well, which is, you know, uh, you know 10 surprising images, et cetera. Yes. That sort of headline, mm. you will never believe, headlines did quite well on Facebook. Facebook. Interestingly, on Twitter, the sorts of headlines that do well were things like the history of, you know, the rise of, etc. Mm. Slightly more, um, slightly more serious headlines, if you like, or informative headlines tended to do better on Twitter. On LinkedIn, there are certain words and things that did particularly well on LinkedIn. So, um, interestingly, words like tips, habits, mistakes. They all seem to resonate very well on LinkedIn. So post titles with those words in got a lot more LinkedIn shares than than posts without them. Mm. Um, and you can see that as well. If you took something like a, a quiz, a quiz on Facebook can go really viral and get, you know, tens and hundreds of thousands of shares. Mm. Um, but actually quizzes on LinkedIn just don't work at all, really. Um, I've looked at loads of them and very, you know, lots of the quizzes people publish on LinkedIn, on Pulse, et cetera. Um, don't do so well on on LinkedIn. So certain things do well. Some of the more viral stuff does better really on Facebook. The other thing that really resonates on LinkedIn posts is the word success or successful. Yes. Uh, lots of the, the most shared posts on LinkedIn are about, you know, how to be successful, what successful people do in the morning, you know, five habits of successful people. 
LinkedIn is sort of network people are looking to be successful in work. So, um, yeah. and I think that's why things like tips, habits, mistakes, mistakes to avoid, obviously, um, those tend to do quite well on LinkedIn. So, yeah, so what we've done is to say, analyze the different networks, the headlines that work. And we do see quite big variances between Facebook, Twitter, um, and LinkedIn. There are some common ones. So that, that sort of viral headline I talked about would tend to do well across all of them. Mm. But um, definitely certain types work better on uh, Facebook than they do on LinkedIn. Equally, there's differences between short form and long form content. So short form content will often get quite a lot of shares. Um, but long form content will often get a lot of links as well. If it's a comprehensive answer to something, it's more likely to be linked to. Um, so a viral quiz, for example, could get lots and lots of shares. Mm. But uh, an in-depth 3,000 word post answering a specific question, for example, that's more likely to get links and that may do better on links than the viral quiz. Things are probably obvious if you sit down and think about it, but the data makes it very clear that there are those big differences. And I think that's the other thing to think about is some people just say, I'm writing a blog post. And to me, the question is, why are you writing the blog post? So what's the objective of the content you're producing? Because there are different stages. Obviously, the sales funnel, you want to make people aware of you and a quiz may be quite good at just making people aware of you yeah. um, but then you move through that buying cycle so that you want them to seriously consider you uh, you want them to say maybe explore some case studies on your site some features of what you're doing for example you want some conversion content which really persuades them to then you know come to come towards you you might you know in the early stages after awareness you might just want some lead generation content here's an ebook and you have to sign up and give me your email to mm. to get the ebook etc so Different types of content has different purposes, really. And again, I think sometimes people just write a blog post without thinking. What we try to do is just say, okay, over a period of a quarter or a month, whatever it happens to be, have we got a balance of content? Some which is raising awareness about it, some which is helping us generate leads, some which is helping us convert people, because they are quite different types of content. And anytime somebody comes to our website, they're at different stages of the buying cycle. So I think it, it's important that people think of their content in terms of, okay, how do the different pieces of content match the different stages of my buying cycle? It's no good just to write blog posts after blog posts. I mean, it may work for you, but it'd be quite good to have a more sophisticated mix of content on your website, which addresses all you know, the users that are at different stages of your buyer journey. Well, Steve, it's been absolutely fascinating. It really is a smorgasbord of tips and advice there. So um, if our listeners want to find out more about you and more about BuzzSumo, what should they do and where should they go? Okay, in terms of BuzzSumo, we have a completely free version. There's a freemium version, so you can go and do as many searches for the most shared content of your competitors or topics as you want. Just go to buzzsumo.com and you can just sign up there. Um, and if you want to know what I'm doing, you can just follow me on Twitter. I'm just Steve Rayson at Twitter, obviously, on my Twitter handle. So, um, yeah, just follow me on, on Twitter if you want to know what I'm up to or, say, check out the tool at BuzzSumo. Fantastic. So just uh, just to clarify, the spelling of Buzzsumo is B-U-Z-Z-S-U-M-O dot com, isn't it? I've got that right, haven't I? That's right. That's absolutely right. Yeah, it's it gets spelled it lots of different ways, so you're right too, to clarify the point. <laughs> well, thank you for listening, everyone. The show notes are in the usual place, sitevisibility.com slash podcast. We are on iTunes and Stitcher, and we would love some more reviews. So please do that, because uh, if they're good ones, we can help more people, because more people will listen. If you want to connect with me directly, I'm Dr. Pod, D-O-C-T-O-R-P-O-D, on LinkedIn and Twitter. 
And uh, we are looking to answer some questions from the audience in a future episode or future episodes. So uh, send us questions. Two ways to do that. The email is podcast at sitevisibility.com. And uh, the um, the special sort of um, speak with your voice line, otherwise known as a telephone line, is plus four four one two seven three two five six one five zero. Well, that's all from me, Andy. And it's all from Steve. Great. Thanks, everyone. And we'll see you next time on Internet Marketing. <laughs>